0: The following podcast contains explicit language. One definition of explicit language is stated clearly and in detail, leaving no room for confusion or doubt. That's why we use those words.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 339 of the Thinking Out podcast. This episode will air on Monday, February 28th. You have a couple weeks still before the Wednesday, March 16th registration deadline for the April LSAT. Uh, the March LSAT is coming up in a couple weeks as well. That starts on March 11th. It's not too late to come to my March 2022 LSAT study group. I do that every other Thursday. It's free for anybody who has a demon account. Um, every other Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And it's an LSAT class where you can ask me anything you want about the test or law school admissions. And my goal is to put you on the path toward going to law school for free. That's that's what I really care about, is helping you save $150,000. That's what I want to do for you. So cost you nothing. <laughs> Come to my free study group and let's talk. Today on the show, we had a big uh, mailbag, huh? Yeah. We had an email from Charlie about how to do better in school. We had a tip yeah. from 2L at GW, Michael Hill, yep. about becoming a better typist in yeah. order to get better grades.
0: We had two book recommendations in there on how to get better grades.
1: Okay. We had an email from a national collegiate boxing champion. Sion uh, wrote in about his whole law school admissions plan. Wendy. Wendy wrote in about uh, law schools telling you to recycle cans.
0: To save money?
1: <laughs> Instead of following our advice and saving $150,000. No, no, nah, nah, you'll have debt. Just recycle cans. Bring your lunch.
0: I yeah, will minimize the debt you have when you leave our institution. Okay, <laughs> thanks.
1: <laughs> you'll graduate with 198000 thousand dollars of debt instead of $199,000 of debt.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) We had a success story from, uh, Vladimir, a former demon student who improved his LSAT by 27 points and now has multiple full ride scholarship offers to law school. Yep. By the way, first generation immigrant to the United States, 27 point LSAT improvement, at least five full ride scholarship offers. And then we did a, uh, an evaluate question from, uh, prep test 73, a little bit of logical reasoning practice for you. Yeah. Ready to dive in. Let's do it. All right, the first email here is from Charlie. Uh, You want to uh, dive in? And then I'm going to also do a shout out to our other podcast as we discuss this email from Charlie. But go ahead and read, why don't you? Yeah,
0: sure. Hello, Ben and Nathan. I have always wanted to reach out to you, but only now do I have anything genuinely helpful to share. Okay. I'm a junior in college and listen to your show every week. I always credit both of your advice for my jump from a 150 diagnostic to a 172 on the real thing. I've only taken it once at this point. Okay, sounds like Charlie's open to taking it again, which is awesome, even though he has a 172.
1: Yeah, well, get into that 99th percentile, right? He's at the 98th percentile now, and there's many people now applying with 175 and higher, so he certainly seems like he's got it. In the tank, potentially, so why
0: not go for yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, nice work, Charlie. And you're a junior, you seem to bring up GPA more frequently on the show these days. And I couldn't agree more that people need to figure out undergrad completely before moving forward with anything else. I really suggest that you check out Carl Newport's book, Cal Cal. Sorry, <laughs> I put an R in there, Cal Newport's book, which is actually ironic because I've I have this book on my audio. <laughs> Playlist for my oldest son, and um, I read his other book, uh, Deep Work. Have you heard of that?
1: I've heard of it, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was was good. So anyways, Cal Newport's book, How to Become a Straight-A Student. The book was incidentally recommended to me by a lawyer who works at a big law firm and attended HLS, Harvard. He insisted that the book was crucial for his success. I struggled academically in high school, so I pretty much followed the book to a T. As a result, I have a 4.0 after six semesters at a liberal arts institution. Awesome. Wow. Yeah, that is really good. I think having Cal as a guest on your show would be super entertaining and helpful for your listeners. Also, I promise that I will not be paying for law school. That's like a commitment. Good. Yeah, a vow. Okay, great. There's no doubt... It's now public, by the way, so just note that, Charlie. (laughs) There's no doubt that you guys have saved me hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe more. If I retake the LSAT, we'll see. Please do, by the way. I sent this email pretty impulsively, so I apologize for any typos. Um, (laughs) That does not absolve you of typos and stuff stop don't do that
1: (laughs) (laughs) is that what you were gonna say yeah well
0: it's also odd because he didn't really have that many so i mean bringing it to our attention is unnecessary right also just edit your
1: shit i mean just edit just edit it down (laughs) that's all It's fine yeah don't don't apologize for typos fix the typos Yeah. Just a tip. I mean, whatever. He, he like obviously has listened to us in the past. So that's a professional tip for him going forward. Don't apologize for shit. If you know that it's a problem, then just take the time to fix it. It's not that hard. But yeah. anyway, thank you for writing in, Charlie.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for writing in. Um I have to second his book, How to Become a Straight-A Student. Uh, but I haven't read it, but my son started to read it and thought it was useful. So considering that he thought it was useful, I would think it's probably good too. But my main reason for endorsing that book comes from the fact that I read deep work, which I thought was pretty cool. So the idea, the idea behind deep work is just, Hey guys, people need to take more time in their life to disconnect and do hard work that is uninterrupted. I mean, I'm sure he has a lot more to say about it than that, but that was the takeaway I had from his book. Cool. Okay, so Cal Cal Newport, two
1: book recommendations, Deep Work and uh, How to Become a Straight-A Student. We are in the business of saving people $150,000 or more on law school. I mean, I'm clearer and clearer these days. That's what I do. I help people avoid paying $150,000 for law school. Yep. And if you're still an undergrad, you need to get straight A's. I don't even want you in my LSAT classes if you're not getting straight A's. I don't care about your past grades, but I care about your present and future grades. If you're not yet graduated from undergrad, then you're working on a GPA that is going to count for law school admissions. And law school admissions folk are intensely interested in two numbers, your undergraduate GPA and your LSAT score. And it sounds like Charlie's trying to do both at once and, but he's doing it successfully. He's got a 4.0 for six semesters in a row. So um, as long as you can maintain that, Charlie, then I would allow you to continue to study for the LSAT at the same time. But anybody who's out there listening to this, if you're getting a 3.7 because you're getting all A minuses, or if you're getting a 3.9 because you're getting one A minus, I don't want you in my LSAT class. It's, it's not an appropriate use of your time and energy and focus. I want to save you $150,000. The way we can do that is you got to get straight A's. From now on, I don't care if you have a 2.0 up to this point. I don't care. I care that you get a 4.0 from this point forward uh, because we got to control the shit that we can actually control. And you, there's no excuse for putting anything less than straight A's on your record from this point forward. Yep. I mean, just we're clear about this. And, um, you know, Charlie points out that you need to what is what does he say? Oh, you need to figure out undergrad completely before moving forward with anything else. Law schools want to see that you have figured out how to do school. If you get straight A's, then they're going to go, okay, got this person learned how to do school. Mm hmm. And so you have to demonstrate that you can bullshit them any way you want. And they're, they don't care. They care that you have demonstrated it through straight A's. So do that, then move forward with the rest of your LSAT prep. And if that means that you have to unsubscribe from the demon for a while, so be it. We don't, we'll, we'll be here. You can come back later. Law schools will definitely be there. And you can come back to that whenever, but right now you got to figure out school and put those straight A's on record from here until the point where you graduate from undergrad.
0: Hey, I want to add to that, that um, (laughs) the two numbers that law schools are most interested in are your GPA and your LSAT score, which you just talked about. And as you were talking about it, and as you quoted um, Charlie here saying you got to figure out undergrad completely first, I realized that... Yeah, as you're saying, uh, these schools want to (laughs) make sure that you figured out how to do school, right? But I guess the realization I had, which I already knew, it just became even more crystal clear to me, and that is that these two goals, right? We're talking about them because they're what get you into law school. But you, you know that we're right because working on your GPA not only helps you get into law school, it also helps you succeed in law school, right? And so it's like when someone tells you, hey, you should do X, um, there's multiple reasons, multiple points of reference as to why that is what you should do. It isn't just, oh, it's going to get you into law school. It's also going to help you do better in law school. And if you can also figure out how to Play this paper game, which is what undergrad and law school is, you're also going to be what, a better attorney, right?
1: It's what lawyering is. Yeah. Figuring exactly. out how to play the game.
0: Mm hmm. And I mean, it's an academic to... game. It's a paper game. It's a game with in writing law
1: school. It is. Yeah. And then once you're in legal practice, you're going to be figuring out how the game is played in various jurisdictions. You're going to be like learning how the game is played in this judge's courtroom versus how the game is played quite differently in this judge's courtroom versus how it's played quite differently in a completely other jurisdiction or under some other legal regime. And it's like, that's the whole, that's the whole thing is like learning what the rules are and learning how to play within those rule sets in these various venues. I mean, we don't have to listen to us. How about the Dean of admissions at Harvard law or at uh, Michigan law school? I mean, we talked about Dean Z on the last few episodes, but Dean Z says it. And it's, it's exactly the two things that Ben was just talking about. It's going to help you get in because Dean Z is like, well, we have to report your undergraduate GPA and we don't like to report low undergraduate GPAs because it makes us look bad on our 509 reports and it makes us look bad to the ratings agencies, ranking law school rankings agencies. And we don't want our ranking to drop. So we don't admit people with, I mean, we try not to admit people with GPAs that are below our medians. Like we want you to be raising the GPA profile of our school. Yep. That's for admissions purposes. Yeah. But the other thing that Ben said was it helps you to do better in law school. And maybe it doesn't help you directly to do better in law school, but you're demonstrating to Dean Z that you can actually do the work. GPA, undergraduate GPA is one of the strongest predictors that is available to Dean Z to figure out whether you're going to cut it in law school. And so she is very interested in how you did in your undergraduate grades, because she wants to know whether you've figured out school. Yep. If you can figure it out in undergrad, then Dean Z Z goes, oh yeah, okay, great. You figured it out in your undergraduate degree. So that increases your chances of figuring it out in your graduate degree. And, and a minuses don't count. I mean, a minuses are going to be below Dean Z's medians. Yeah. You know, like I was arguing with some random dude. He, you know, people don't know what they're in for when they email me, but it's like some random guy who's emailing me asking for help and I'm trying to help him. And he keeps going back and forth with me about like, well, I'm on Dean's list. I'm like, I, Dean's list. I don't give a shit. Where does it say Dean's list on the 509 report? Yeah. It Dean's list is, I don't care. That's nothing. Nobody cares. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Like there, your undergrad's giving you a pat on the back because you're on Dean's list with your 3.6 or whatever. Yep. And Dean Z's looking at it going, oh boy, that would lower my medians. And yeah, I'm just not so sure that you really are a killer. I just don't know that you've really figured out how to succeed in school. Yep. And it's it ain't no Dean's list. It's it's a 4.0 or it's not.
0: And you've already said this, but just to be clear for anyone out there who's feeling deflated uh, because your GPA is low and undergrad is over. Well, it's over. You can't control that. But what you can control is your LSAT score. And if you're feeling deflated because you're a junior and you only have a year and a few months left, fine. It's in the past. Your GPA that you have is in the past, but you can change the GPA that lies ahead of you. And that's that's what you have to do.
1: Yeah, again, I don't care about the sunk costs. I'm not beating you up about poor grades in the past. I don't give a shit about that. But if you're in a class right now and it counts for your undergraduate degree, I want you getting a straight A on every assignment. Yep. Cause that's, that's controlling the things that we can control right now. And by the way, take fewer classes, potentially take easier classes, cut out other things that are distracting you from putting straight A's on your record. So cut out your LSAT prep. If you have to cut out your part-time job, cut out your stupid internship, which you think is going to help you for law school admissions, which is nothing compared to your GPA. Yep. Um, you know, cut down your hours at work do whatever you've got to do. It's that's like lawyers do whatever they have to do to win. So get straight A's so that you can demonstrate to these admissions folk that you know what that you can prioritize, that you can do what it takes. And
0: to yourself, the power of taking your self image and reframing it because you're like, now you don't see yourself as a B plus student or an A minus student, but you see yourself as an A student, is going to have implications not only in law school, but for the rest of your life. You're like, I can take on this challenge and rise to the level that I want to be at.
1: It's behaving like a lawyer. You're you're not behaving like a lawyer if you're getting a 3.7 a 3. right now. And I don't care about your past behavior. I care about your present behavior. You've got to start acting like a lawyer. Yep. And a lawyer is going to do everything to win. All right. Thank you, Charlie, for writing in Um, this other shout out. So I wanted to talk about we have a recent episode of LSAT Demon Daily. OK, that's our other podcast. It's a daily podcast comes out five days a week. It's not just us. One of the highlights from the show recently, episode 161. Uh, our man, Matt, who teaches uh, mostly logic games for us, but he also does private tutoring. Uh, he's an awesome lsat tutor at lsatdemon.com. Matt Dumont had on Michael Hill, who uh, is a former student of mine in LA. So is Matt, actually. They knew each other from the classes back then, and they Mm. were both TAs for me at one time. But Michael now, I can't believe how time flies. Michael's a 2L at GW. Hmm. Uh, And he's killing it, apparently. Like like literally straight A's, killing it. And he and Matt... um, who, Matt's also a 2L, is that right, at Maryland? <laughs> Time he's gotta is be a 2L, I guess he's he got to Maybe be a 2L guess now. Maybe he's L a 3L now. L yeah. by now. Shit, I don't know. Anyway, so these are two 2Ls, let's say, at East Coast Law Schools, and they did a whole episode about uh, advice for incoming law students, advice mm. on how to do better in law school. So that's episode 161 of the Demon Daily. If you want to get a head start on how to kick ass in actual law school, listen to that episode. They have lots of great tips, but I was amazed at Michael's number one tip, which was learn how to type or improve your t- touch typing abilities.
0: Oh, that's what he means by don't be a single-digit pecker. So peck, so <laughs> yes. typing with one finger? Then you're a single-digit pecker. Wow. You know, my kids were struggling with writing assignments, and I realized that half of the problem was the fact that they were struggling to type, right? Because that was slowing them down. It made the assignment 10 times harder. So I said, okay, we're just going to get this typing program, and now they do it actually kind of for fun but they can type super fast. And it just, this comment took me back to that. That was like a year ago. Um, Pre their ability to type things were painful. And the fact that people are still single digit peckers in law school is deeply concerning to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're (laughs) like, you're, you're going to have a hard
1: time with the volume of writing that's required, especially on those exams. I mean, you in a, in a two or three hour exam, you're going to write like 12 or 14 pages
0: worth of shit. Well, how, I don't even understand how that happens. How do you go through undergrad and not learn how to type? Oh, they don't teach useful skills
1: in school. I've said this a million times. I've said this on the podcast. I took my freshman year of high school. I took a full year of typing. And this was back in the days of electric typewriters and shit. Yeah. You know, it's like so antiquated. Yeah. But a full year, first period after lunch, every day. I was like, Ms. Dryden was in there yelling at us, A, 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 space, S, 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 space, D, 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 <laughs> space. <laughs> you know I had and, a little
0: different of an experience, but yeah. Well,
1: anyway, yeah. I learned how to, I learned how to touch type super fucking fast. And my ability to touch type, it's easily, easily the single most useful educational experience of my entire life by far not i mean it's just not even close like what's the most useful thing you ever learned in school typing 100 yeah. percent. and so you know cool. y'all kids these days might think that we're gonna oh we'll be in this like voice typing thing well maybe maybe uh, i don't know There's probably not. About... <gasps> <laughs> probably not by the time you graduate from law school you're not gonna yeah. be voice typing your law school exams no way uh-uh they'll still let you hand write it in a blue book if you want That'd be exceedingly dumb. You need to learn how to touch type. You need to learn how to type fucking fast. And anyway, it was amazing to me that there's an actual 2L at George Washington, you know, who's killing it in law school saying, learn how to type. And if you already know how to type, learn how to type faster. Yeah. And more reliably.
0: And it's t- so easy today, right? Like today I just searched typing websites. The first thing that comes up is typing club. These things are free for the, or <laughs> they have free options. You can just go in there and the keyboard appears in the browser and you can start practicing typing and it'll tell you how fast you're typing and how many you're getting, like what your percentage of accuracy is. It's so easy. Um, Your experience does remind me... I I don't remember a lot of classes from high school, but I do remember my typing class. I did not have a teacher yelling at me. Instead, I had a yellow Walkman with a mixtape of Rush music, and I would listen to Rush and type.
1: Oh, you weren't typing the
0: lyrics of the Rush... No, no, I just... I, that was just me you just bringing to in be my to Rush yeah because there typing. was I don't know the teacher was absent I don't remember the teacher I just remember being on a computer and yep we it just was just sat like there and retype typed. this
1: shit yeah just type it yeah yep. okay however you decide to learn uh, to touch type definitely do not be a single digit pecker um, it, it's it's just gonna be harder like law school exams I mean it, the second the clock starts there's just this like. I don't know, like crazy buzz of everybody typing at the same time. And that buzz doesn't stop for the entire two hours. I mean, people go into those law school exams knowing in advance what kinds of like templates they're going to use for their analysis for they're like, oh, well, I know that this is a torts class. We're going to talk about negligence. So let me get this outline for here's how I do a negligence analysis on the page. Right. Yeah. Simple example. But it's like they don't even read the exam to start potentially, which is probably dumb. But they're just like regurgitating. Here's all the shit that I know I'm going to use and then read the exam and the facts and then start putting the facts into that template that they've typed out. But I mean, it's like just a torrent of words that are going onto those pages the second the exam starts. And if you're going to be sitting there one at a time <laughs> trying to type your uh, exam answer, uh, <laughs> uh, good luck. I just don't you're not going to beat Michael Hill in your uh, exams.
0: I, I really hope that this is not a, a, a common issue because just to make clear, Mike. My- my two kids that I'm talking about, my two youngest kids don't worry about typing yet, but my two oldest kids, my oldest is a junior in high school and my my second is in 8th grade. He's in middle school and he knows how to type and type fast. So, the fact that people in law school don't know how to type is is really concerning. And well, I FGW. imagine it's
1: That's, I imagine it is extremely
0: common that people don't know how to type. Wow, if you're listening to this now, yeah. you need to take care of your GPA and typing, please. I didn't. I wouldn't. That wasn't even on my radar. Oh, yeah. by the way, work on typing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, hey,
1: I mean, I wrote six LSAT books. I would have written zero LSAT books if I didn't know how to type. I mean, it's it's just it is a it is a crazily wildly useful ability that will impact everything you do for the rest of your professional life. If you're going to go down this road of being a, you know, a knight of the English language, a professional writer, one of the most highly paid professional writers. Yep. Yes. If you're going to be a professional writer, you need to learn how to touch type. That's like step one. I mean, like there should be typing on the LSAT. There should be a typing test on the LSAT. (laughs) can you type 30 words per minute? If no, like literally <laughs> what, why not? Yeah. I mean, th- like, I, <laughs> at least I think, yeah. dude, if they were going to test things that were like really useful, that's I, I, why not have that? Sure. Maybe some smart law school out there will, will start, uh, adding a, a touch type, a little touch typing test to the, they could probably do it in four minutes. Right. They could just have a little like it could be an online thing, a little portal. You log on, you do your touch typing test. And then when they're due, it's like it would give boy, you know, the good thing about it is that it would give them a numeric, another numeric thing that they could look at.
0: Yeah, very they could easy. Put it in a spreadsheet. You could just put mix it into your index number. You know, hell yeah. It becomes one number. Yeah,
1: right. And then, so then they'd have, well, we got your undergraduate GPA. Mm-hmm. We got your LSAT score and we got your typing score. And we could use those three things now to figure out what your uh, capacity is for the competition of law school and legal practice beyond. That's a free, little free bit of advice for some enterprising law school out there. Okay, um, ready for this next one? Yeah. This is long. Uh oh. I thought about writing Sion back and telling him to edit this down first, but instead I decided to just put it on the agenda. Uh, I wish this was shorter. Hi guys. First, thanks for doing what you do. It's a real help to us knuckle draggers out there. That's a run on sentence in uh, Sion's first sentence. That's why you need to edit your shit down and just make it shorter. Cause then you won't do shit like that. But anyway, my question is about whether W E A T H uh, E R Google docs helpfully highlighted that as a typo slash spelling mistake. My question is about whether the nature of my shit grades statement is something law schools will care for, which is an odd preposition.
0: Yeah. Care. I think you might care
1: about. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: okay. So (laughs) we've got multiple errors here. Sion, you really need to clean your shit up before you send it out the door. Anyway. I graduated from the United States Military Academy, West Point, almost a decade ago with a less than stellar GPA, a 2.6 to be exact. I'm currently scoring an average of 172 over 30-ish timed LSAT practice tests, and I plan on writing a poor grades statement for obvious reasons, which you should, I guess, do write a two-sentence addendum just to put it out of your mind. Um, but also nobody cares.
0: Yeah. You haven't given us any facts at least to put a positive spin on this 2.6.
1: Even if you do put a positive spin on it, it is what it is. Dean Z is going to look at that and go, well, you're going to significantly lower my medians. And, um, I don't know if you have what it takes to get it done
0: in law school. And if your addendum has anywhere close to any of the mistakes you have in this email, it's actually going to hurt you.
1: Yeah, like like type, like capitalizing graduated in the beginning of the third sentence. And, I, yeah. capital G, graduated. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Edit, please. Yeah. Um. Anyway, 172 kicks ass. Good job. Yep. As a preface, neither of my parents went to a professional school, so I had no knowledge of or intent on perusing education past college. That's the wrong word you meant pursuing. Is there a single sentence here without a mistake in it?
0: Mm, I don't think so.
1: Not yet. Um, I feel you, Sion. I also am a first-generation college student. Neither of my parents have bachelor's degrees. Uh, I love helping first-generation students. I'm glad you wrote into the show. I did the same thing you did, by the way. <laughs> I had almost your exact same GPA. I had a little lower. I had a 2.54 undergraduate GPA. I never intended to go to grad school. I ended up getting three graduate degrees. <laughs> I had no counseling. I had no advice from my folks. I went to too big of an undergraduate school, UC Davis, and I like didn't access any resources there for like counseling, whatever. Like They didn't help me. You know, nobody was there guiding me at all. <laughs> and I just was like almost intentionally got bad grades just to graduate as fast as I could, which, you know, was dumb. Like for law school, that was really, really dumb of me. Um, but I had no advice. So that's why I do what I do. My only goals at West Point were to graduate, branch into the infantry and win a boxing national cha- championship. Uh, he meant championship. That's just a typo misspelling. That's what actually got my attention here was the boxing national championship. Okay. So I put a plan together to meet those specific goals in doing so. I devoted most of my time to my athletic pursuit, doing just enough to ensure I had high enough class rank to branch air defense. So I could parlay that to detail myself into the infantry branch. Air defense is relatively easy to get and infantry is fairly hard by all accounts, I succeeded in all of my goals. Um, just a little note here about like, you know, pre- if you're, when you, when you present yourself to law schools, they don't give a shit about your plan. They give a shit about the results of the plan, right? So you, you don't, you don't need to tell them that you made a plan and fulfilled the plan. Get to the point where you win a national championship in boxing. Yeah. You know, because like that one fact means that, yeah, yeah, this dude put some plans together and, and ended up kicking ass literally and figuratively um, to win that national championship. So I would just get around to that and lead with that. And then you could just don't even say all the rest of it. But anyway, are capital L law schools going to look back, going to look at that and say, quote, this guy made a plan, stuck to it and succeeded? or quote, this jackass has no foresight and did the bare minimum to get what he wanted.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think they're gonna be more distracted by how you present it. So like Nathan said, I would just talk about you succeeding and get it edited. I'm more concerned about that than this reaction. They don't give a fuck
1: about your plan. Yeah. They, They care about your numbers. And they care about a fact of a bo- national champion in boxing. National champion in absolutely anything is super impressive. It says it like that by itself just speaks volumes. You could be national champion in curling. I don't know, like it's gonna. That's like wow. That's impressive.
0: Yeah, you rose to the top of a domain. There's, Any domain. Yep, there's bajillion out there. And you Fortnite, took one. And you... I don't
1: give a shit. Yeah. Anything, like you're the national champion. Wow, that's amazing. And none of this other shit matters. And you just should lead with the facts that are really in your favor. Yep. I mean, you can't hide from the 2.6. They they can't hide from your 2.6. See, that's the thing, really. Right. You can give them whatever
0: justification
1: you want, but they, still they have don't to... get.
0: They don't get to provide justifications to anyone else.
1: (laughs) That justification does not go get does not filter to U.S. news. Yeah. So no matter what you say, no matter what your reasons were for those bad grades, that's just that's what it is. Yep. So instead, lead with I'm a I am I won I'm a national champion in boxing. Yep. As a final note, I won that national championship my senior year after several concussions. Don't mention that. And near misses over my four years. I would never mention concussions just because I feel like the school might naturally go, oh shit, is this guy going to have CTE and like become a problem at my school?
0: What is CTE?
1: CTE is that thing that makes all the NFL players like go beat their wives and girlfriends after they are d- it done leads with the to NFL. to violence.
0: Okay. Wow. Well,
1: it just, it it leads to like all sorts of, it's really super sad. I mean, it just leads yeah. to all sorts of like dementia and stuff. It's like why nobody should play contact football, basically, because yeah. it's just like
0: uh. it
1: barbaric, you know? I mean, n- knowing what we know now about brain science, they should not
0: be doing that shit. Um, yeah. Chronic, traumatic, and then I can't say the wor- last word. It's like encephalopathy or something. Yep. Ence- encephalopathy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um Okay. Anyway, it like it's like a plaque buildup in your brain and it's like you have oh, Alzheimer's when you're 28.
0: Jeez Louise.
1: That's yeah. Yeah. And like all kinds of depression and suicides and everything else that come from that. So like when you say concussions, Sion, your reader might, knowing what they know about CTE, your reader might go, Oh shit. Does this guy have depression? Is this guy going to be suicidal? Is this guy going to be violent? Is this guy, you know, you well, don't want them those asking those questions. Well, there's those serious
0: concerns. There's also just, um, <laughs> and this is combined with your several mistakes in your writing. Like, oh, ha- have these concussions like just made it harder Already for you to, succeed to affect, yeah in law school? Yeah. I, I, I'm not a doctor, but none of them are either. So they might jump to these conclusions for better or worse. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to run through the rest of this stuff. 2.6 GPA
1: at West Point. LSAT goal of 177. Don't care. I care what your actual LSAT is. But I mean, with a 172 over 30 timed practice tests, I don't see why you can't get that 177. Um, <laughs> test state APR. That must be some military shit for, don't know yet. Um, softs. URM. Disabled VET. Airborne Ranger Qualified, Infantry Officer, West Point grad, Afghanistan deployment, two-time All-American, one-time National Collegiate Champion in Boxing, one year teaching English abroad in Thailand, don't think anybody cares about that compared to all this other shit, currently the Director of Operations at a multi-state cannabis company. I would not emphasize that compared to all of your other stuff. I'm not. There's nothing wrong with cannabis. Just don't muddy the waters, dude. Pick a couple things, and the couple things that I would pick here are maybe airborne ranger qualified, collegiate national champion in boxing. Mm-hmm. I would stick with those, and you're 177, and and you know like. The more you say about all the other shit, the less room there is for the really important things to shine. Definitely shut up about your plan. Don't talk about your plan. Talk about winning. Okay, target schools. Any of the T14, because I love rejection, plus Temple and Brooklyn. You need to widen that. 2.6 might automatically disqualify you from most of the top 14. It's great that you're a URM. It's great that you're like going for it and applying to some or even all of the T14. But you shouldn't just apply to T14 plus Temple and Brooklyn. That's too wide of a range. Yeah. That's also really kind of weird. Brooklyn's in Brooklyn and Temple is in.
0: Let's look. Wait. Wait. Oh, is it in Philadelphia? That's oh, like Philly.
1: A... Okay, that makes a lot more sense because then it's at least like Saint. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Philly. That makes sense. Okay. Still, like, what about uh Fordham? What about uh shit? I don't know. Just Any use the... <laughs> Yeah, other... scholarship
0: estimator. Just go there right. and find. Elsetheman yeah,
1: dot slash scholarships. Uh, put in your two point six and your one seventy seven, and then look for schools that are likely to offer you a full ride. I do not want you paying for law school. I don't want anybody paying for law school. Hey Ben, what do you do for a living?
0: <laughs> I help people save $150,000 off law school. How boy. Atta that's what boy. I do.
1: I mean, well, you don't have to have the same answer <laughs> Thanks, I do, David. but like that's I feel like that's what I you know. <laughs> that's that's what I that's what's going to get me going. Like that's that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah and and i especially like helping people like seon who are first generation urm i mean just because you're a first generation urm just because you have a low gpa that doesn't mean that you can that you still that you were like forced to pay for law school
0: no you're like, precisely the kind of person who does not want to pay for law school you don't want to <laughs> incur any yeah. more debt than necessary
1: you're exactly the person that i care about the most if you're, if you're, you know, uh, privileged, if you're white, I mean, I'm white, which obviously carries a lot of privilege with it. But if you also came from educated parents, came from money, got a 4.0 in undergrad, you had really good counseling the whole way through, you know, the, the people who are like, <laughs> when you're applying to law school with 4.0 and 175, I mean, I still don't think you should pay for law school but you're not the person that I really care about. Like you're going to win no matter what. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thing that I'm passionate about is helping people like Sion because the system is set up to rip this dude off. Yeah. They, they want to admit him and bury him in debt. And I, and I really feel like that would be the worst thing that ever happened to him, especially because he doesn't need to. He he could go, you know, what could he go to Fordham? Do you think 177, 2.6 full ride at Fordham?
0: Probably. Let's see.
1: Ben's going to lsatdemon.com slash scholarships.
0: OK, I'm putting in a 2.6, putting in a 2.6, 1, 177 yep. and URM and URM. Let's look up Fordham. Fordham. Well, the estimator says more than half. Okay. It's a good start. It's a good start. Maybe
1: as a disabled vet, you know, Sion might also have um, yellow ribbon, GI bill, whatever. So Sion might have other funding. Sion might actually get paid to go to law school by the time we add up all that extra funding. But Sion, don't give up on the money that comes from schools. Make sure you apply at some target schools that are just going to offer you a full ride.
0: Yeah. And there's several here, by the way. Um, I mean, dozens. So yeah, you, you, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of, I'm not seeing any green in the top 14. But top 22, University of Minnesota Law School, University of North Carolina, Alabama, Alabama School of Law, they're all in the top 30. And they're offering you full tuition, most likely. So
1: awesome. Sion, thank you for writing in. Uh, sorry for busting your balls about your typos and stuff, but uh, this is the beginning of your legal career.
0: And um, yeah. Okay. Yep. You want to take this next one from Wendy? Yeah. Wendy writes, one school, one school sent me a copy of this. Okay. One article that discusses watching your spending in law school. Typos are not mine. <laughs> All right. Well, here here we go. This is the quoted material. Here's a tip. Just because you have a credit card doesn't mean you have to use it. Instead of a pricey sandwich, sandwich at your school's cafe, pack your lunch. Resell your textbooks. Recycle cans if you have to. Do whatever it takes to Recycle cans? You want they want people to make money from recycling cans. Interesting. Do whatever it takes to live within your means. You'll likely have plenty of student loan debt when you graduate, comma, capital T. There's no need to add on credit card debt as well. Wow, that's really fucked up. Like, they're telling you to go get five cents from recycling a can. So Ten that- cents if
1: you live in Michigan.
0: <laughs> that's if you live in Michigan, Yeah. It- Ten cents, right, in California? Wait, whatever. I don't know. Pennies. They're asking you to go get pennies so that you can limit your debt. Because, by the way, you're already going to have this student loan debt when you graduate, which is over $100,000. It's, it's it's absurd. It's, it's moving chairs around on the Titanic. It's, it's actually not even moving chairs around on the Titanic. It's like looking over the bow on the titan- Titanic. You're doing nothing. Literally nothing to help your student debt by turning in recycled cans. So two interpretations of this, and
1: I think they're both partially right. One is these motherfuckers have just drank their own Kool-Aid so much that they are just like genuinely giving ridiculously dumb advice. Okay. that That's one interpretation. Yeah. Like if, if they, if they are taking themselves seriously with, you know, like re- resell your textbooks. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> g- you know, I mean, you're getting a hundred bucks back. Yeah. Yeah. The books are ridiculously overpriced. You shouldn't just, you shouldn't even buy your textbooks to begin with. You should figure out a way to not buy your textbooks. Pirate your textbooks. That's what you should do. But re- resell your textbooks, get a hundred dollars back while you pay us $30,000 a semester tuition. Yeah. Fuck you. I mean, it's it's just, okay, so it's dumb. It's, I mean, it's it's dumb. Like that's for a hundred dollar textbook. Yeah. They literally put recycle cans, you know? Okay. So it could be, it could be dumb or it could be incredibly devious and like super smart uh, negotiation strategy. Because if you think about what happens here, they could get you to anchor on some irrelevant shit that you can actually control, and then forget about the very relevant gigantic iceberg that you're just going to plow straight into.
0: Right? Yeah, look they're getting they're you doing. to look away from the iceberg.
1: Look at what they're doing with the credit card debt. Yeah. Right? I mean, I agree. Don't, don't spend, don't put money on your credit card. Like don't, don't no, like,
0: don't carry money on your never credit card from carry month to a month. balance.
1: <sighs> no, never carry a balance. Pay off your credit card every month. But <laughs> your credit card debt compared to your, your student loan debt is just outright. Like you don't have a $150,000 limit on your credit card.
0: Nope.
1: Like Visa is going to be like, yeah, sorry we're not going to go over 15 grand on that if that, but law schools are going to go 150, 250, 350, you know? And, and so by, by like re by like steering you to war, look at, Oh, over here, you could pack your lunch, pack your lunch. Come on. <laughs> Really? Like, oh, I, I, trust me, yeah, $12 for your sandwich at your stupid cafe, definitely overpriced. Yep. But, like, the fact that I brought a $2 peanut butter and jelly, you know, if I did that every single day for all three years of law school, how much money am I
0: possibly saving? Exactly. Well, this is, and this is exactly what I want to say is that I don't care how much you fuck this up. You fuck up all these things. You, do, you go buy pricey sandwich. You actually buy two of them and you throw one away. You're like, eh, I'm not that hungry. And you throw it away. Uh, and you don't resell your textbooks. You burn them. You buy all bottled water and you don't recycle them instead of drinking from your tap. You do all these things 100% wrong. <laughs> the damage is a mere blip. It's a drop in the bucket.
1: If you do the other thing right,
0: yes, you
1: could just go ahead and do all the other stuff totally wrong. <laughs> buy a four dollar Coke on campus. Do not recycle the bottle. Yeah, <laughs> you know,
0: yeah, foolishly don't pack and then go buy <laughs> buy lunch from somebody else who's who's willing to charge you twenty dollars for their say. Food. Give your bottle though to the person who didn't get a full ride. Like you're there on a full ride, they're
1: paying your tuition go ahead and buy lunch on campus, buy lunch for them too, and let them keep the bottles because they're going to recycle those bottles and make not even a scratch on the surface of their quarter of a million dollars of debt they're going to graduate with. And, you know, these motherfuckers in law schools with this, just they just blithely assume, oh, you'll likely have plenty of student loan debt when you graduate.
0: Hmm. Yeah, because that's how our, that's how the system operates. You go get a loan astronomical loan from the federal government and then give the money to us and we you know cart you through things that are called classes (laughs) takes about three years and then you go on your way
1: that's the business they're in Yeah, you know I mean they're also at the same time in a secret business of giving scholarships to people (laughs) you know that like the people who play the game well and I didn't Ben didn't yeah. That's why we're so passionate about what we do is that we want to show you this other side of the game that is fully available to everyone if you just
0: choose to play it correctly. Yep. Thanks, You want to read the rest
1: of Wendy's email?
0: Sure. Well, she writes, Recycle cans because you will have lots of student loan debt. What the actual fuck? Question <laughs> mark. There is a, also an article on five shocking law school murders
1: because the law schools are just you know they're just spamming you all they want to do is just get your attention they're just like flashing lights it's like a television it's like it's just like hey pay over pay attention look at us pay attention to us yeah us (laughs) apply to us come to us we'll give you fun stuff like give your federal money to
0: us
1: (laughs) give our yeah exactly we want to use you to essentially defraud The the taxpayer taxpayers via the student loan system yeah yep great (laughs) you want to listen to uh, somebody who's not going to help to help law schools to defraud the student loan system yes please all right this one's coming um from vladimir Former LSAT demon student. I remember Vladimir in our classes. I actually I have this memory of him the first day he, he showed up probably because of his unusual um, Russian sounding name. But anyway, Vladimir um, says, Hi, guys, I want to thank everyone involved in developing the Thinking LSAT podcast and LSAT demon website. As a first-generation immigrant, I never thought I had a chance at defeating the LSAT and getting a good enough score to attend law school for free, exclamation point. However, after six months of studying with the demon, I was able to get from a 142 diagnostic to a 169. That's a 27-point improvement from our man, Vladimir, who is a first-generation American immigrant. Cool. Cool. I took your advice and applied early to 27 schools. While I got waitlisted at all of the T-14, I did get a full ride from one of my top choices, UNC Law. I believe that's the second UNC Law shout out that happened today. Yeah. I also got a full ride at ASU, GW, UIUC. I don't even know what that is. Hmm. And Colorado Law. So Vlad has um, one, two, three, four, five full rides to choose from. Yep. I never thought I could accomplish such a feat. Now I can use my GI bill at UNC. I'm a U.S. Army vet and receive a $30,000 stipend to cover my living expenses.
0: Whoa, is that per year or over the course of three years? I wonder. Hmm. Mm, It can't be per year
1: because there's no way it costs $30,000 a year to live in North Carolina.
0: Yeah. I I just don't, I don't know how they come up with these numbers, but maybe it does. Who knows?
1: I mean, th- some of those benefits from GI Bill are like amazing. Like, yeah. They, they give you the living expenses of your rank when you get out of the service. Mm-hmm. And so it, it can be like, <laughs> I, even, I remember having a student being like, well, I for sure want to go to law school in San Francisco because they also adjust it for the place where you're going to live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, they adjust it based on the So he was intentionally choosing the most expensive market. Okay. That's your tax dollars at work, by the way.
0: Yeah. Cool.
1: Anyway, good. I'm glad I want all of our students to take advantage of all of the shit that they have available to them for sure. Um, So I'm glad that Vlad is, you know, working the system. That's great. He goes on. The dreams do come true. If you work your ass off to make it happen. And that's
0: Vladimir. Cool. Cool. Wow. That's about that. (laughs) A stipend. I mean, our goal is for you to go for free in the sense that you don't have to pay tuition, but you're still going to incur costs of living and so forth. But to get $30,000 on top of that, uh, that's just a great, that's a great situation to be in.
1: Yeah. I mean, essentially that's military benefits, right? So yeah, if you don't have access to that, you don't have access to that, but you do still have access to the, the, everything else about Vlad's story, which is just get a really good LSAT score, apply early, apply broadly and get yourself multiple full ride scholarship offers to choose from.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess what I'm I'm wondering though is if Vlad hadn't done this, then that $30,000 would have had to go toward tuition probably, right? Like I'm I'm not sure how the GI Bill works, but. I, I don't know. So I just, I feel like I hear people like, oh, I don't need to worry about, I don't need to worry about saving money or getting a scholarship because I'm just going to use this, this government program. Okay. But then are you giving up stipends or your stipend isn't as big? And in some cases you can actually use that money to pay
1: for like your family's tuition expenses, not in all cases, but I've heard of people doing that as well. So, or maybe previous
0: loan debt. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Just because you have these benefits doesn't mean that you need to waste them on law school tuition. Yeah. That's really the thing. Okay. Law school is wildly overpriced.
0: Yes. please.
1: And it's an unfair system where they let some people go for free and they let other people, they make other people pay full price. Yep. And that's what's unfair. That's the fucked up system that we have a problem with. If law school tuition was a reasonable amount, even close to reasonable, like $10,000 a year, then we wouldn't be yelling about this. But when law school tuitions are just this completely fictional $50,000 a year and they don't charge most people full price, like when they're giving more than half the class, more than 50% scholarships, well then, okay, it's a scam on the people who pay. And we don't want you to fall victim to that scam. Yep. Especially if you're first generation immigrant, underrepresented minority. I mean, the brunt of this debt falls worse on those people. (laughs) And that's, that's also completely unfair. That's totally unjust and optional because you don't have to do that. You could just follow our fucking advice and get a full ride. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I'm agitated today. Anything else about any of these?
0: Nope. Thanks for writing in.
1: Want to tackle this uh, logical reasoning question? Let's do it. All right. I'm reading. You're doing the question. Ready? Okay. Yep. This is coming to us from prep test 73, section four, number six. A clinician, I'm going to turn off the explanation. We have a full written explanation here already in the demon. Mm. So if you don't like our audio definition, you could get yourself a free account, lsatdemon.com, and uh, do this question and tell us to shut up. But anyway, clinician says, Patients with immune system disorders are usually treated with a class of drugs that, unfortunately, increase the patient's risk of developing osteoporosis, a bone loss disease.
0: Okay, there are some side effects to taking immune system drugs. So, these patients take another drug that helps to preserve existing bone. All right. Kind of sucks. You have to take some medication to fix a problem, but that leads to more problems. So then you got to take more medication to fix the second problem. But yeah, I mean, so far I'm hearing facts.
1: Well and I mean it you know in the first case right if you have an immune system disorder yeah right uh, there there seems to be this like hierarchy sort of well there's this background assumption that the immune system disorder potentially might like kill you
0: yeah yeah exactly like you're <laughs> you're going to get this risk of developing osteoporosis which sucks but it sounds like that is less severe of a problem than your immediate problem of, Hey, my immune system doesn't work or it's going to yeah. attack an organ or whatever. AIDS, right? I mean, yeah, like AIDS
1: could kill you. So you have to take this cocktail of drugs. Like, unfortunately one of them has a bad effect of you could give you, give yourself osteoporosis Yep. because you're trying not to die from AIDS. Oh, well, we'll give you this other drug to help preserve your bone since we're going to give you osteoporosis with this one drug and it sucks, but you know, I saw magic Johnson this weekend at the, at the all-star nonsense that was going on on TV Hmm. and magic Johnson has been living with AIDS since I was in high school. So, you know, like probably worth it for him. Right. Yeah. Okay. Since a drug that enhances the growth of new bone cells has now become available these patients should take this new drug in addition to the drug that helps to preserve existing bone. Makes perfect sense, right? I mean, why not? Like if the drug to preserve your existing bone is good, why not take this a- additional drug which can actually help you to grow bone? I,
0: um, If I were one of these patients, I would definitely be interested in not only preserving existing bone, but maybe even adding new bone one, assuming that's helpful, maybe preserving existing bone is enough, right? I don't need bigger bones. Maybe I just need to prevent the bones I have from deteriorating. But the other question I have, which was actually indirectly raised by the argument itself, and that is, sure, you've just told me at a benefit of this new drug, right? It can enhance the growth of new bone cells. But does this new drug also come with a slew of side effects? Ah, uh, interesting. I don't know.
1: So one objection to the argument mm-hmm. is, well, tell me about this new drug. Like yeah. you, you just, cause I mean the argument leaps to the conclusion of, oh yeah, they should definitely start taking it. Yep. And so Ben is like, well, I would like to become m- better. <laughs> like, <laughs> maybe, but I mean, tell me about this new drug. Like, is it gonna, is it going to give me heart attacks? Or
0: worsen my immune system.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, totally. Um, Another objection that you could make here is like new bone, huh? Okay. Well, I mean, is that where, what, where, huh? Like new bone. I have never gone around thinking like, boy, I really wish I had more bone. Yeah. Like is a bone
0: going to like grow out of your ear? Yeah. (laughs) That's one extreme. But I mean, as long as the first medicine is preserving my existing bone, maybe that's, that's all uh, I'm good. I'm, I don't need to.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What we're demonstrating here, and we could go on for an hour, Mm -hmm. many objections to a single argument. Yep. You know, we could, how much is it going to cost?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would fall this, I would say this argument falls into this general category of arguments in which they give you some pros, they give you some reasons to do something, and then they say, therefore, you should do it, and they fail to mention any potential cons. Right. Um, of, Completely
1: uh, ignoring the potential downside
0: of yep. this. Yeah. There's a flip of that, and they give you a bunch of cons, and they say, you shouldn't do it. And you're like, yeah, but what about the potential benefits? So, yep. Cool. Great. All right. Question says, which one of the
1: following would be most useful to know in order to evaluate the clinician's
0: argument? Okay. So because we've already evaluated the argument and figured out some potential objections, um, answer choices that touch on those objections would be helpful, right? For example, if one of these answers alludes to whether or not there are side effects to this new medicine, that would be a useful thing to know. I'd like to know if there are side effects. So I'm, I'm going into the answers looking for something that helps me learn a little bit more about at least one of our objections.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, all it basically does, this question, we're gonna like, very likely, we're gonna hear our own voice coming from one of these answer choices, Yeah. right? We were already making objections and asking, asking questions, questions. <laughs> yeah. exactly. So, yeah. you know, but if we had phrased it or making statements even, yeah. so Ben, you just made a statement. You just said, I would like to know about the side effects. Mm-hmm. Could you have phrased that as a question? Sure. <laughs> what are the side effects? What are the side effects? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, as an objection, it might be, well, this thing might have deleterious side effects.
0: Deleterious <laughs> yeah
1: what if it deletes my ability to see
0: yeah you know um, that would be that would be shitty
1: yeah okay so does this drug have any side effects that i might need to worry about that Mm -hmm. could be the answer yeah does this i don't know boy you could go on with a million of them right does this drug make me blind does this drug cost a million dollars does this drug um worsen immune system disorders, does this drug interfere with the original drug that was going to save me from this immune system disorder?
0: Does this drug grow bone in my ear? Does this
1: dr- <laughs> drug? Yeah, exactly. Okay, <laughs> perfect. And, and so then all we're doing, it's like, because we have already been objecting and asking lots of questions of this clinician. hmm we're going to recognize when we get to the right answer. It's just, we're going to know it when we see it because it's like, Oh yeah. I mean, it might not even be one that we've thought of. doesn't matter. We're ready. Right. If one of the answers is like, does the drug give me dyslexia? (laughs) We're going to be like, Oh shit. I never thought about that. (laughs) Why would I have thought about that?
0: No, but you're, you're, you have thought of the general category of potential side effects. And so anything that falls into that, you're going to be ready for. Great. Hey, how large is the class of
1: drugs that increase the risk of developing osteoporosis?
0: (laughs) How many other drugs uh, increase the risk of osteoporosis? I don't care. Yeah. It's irrelevant. Yeah,
1: totally. Because I don't care if there's an anti-cancer drug that causes osteoporosis. Irrelevant. If this had said, does the drug that adds bone increase the risk of developing osteoporosis?
0: That would be interesting. Because <laughs> well, then you'd be like, whoa, it's like fixing the problem it's trying to solve. Or it's like it's creating the adding problem a new bone while killing your old <laughs> bone. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: That would be dumb. But that actually, if that was listed as a question, that no, would be sure. like, oh, yeah, that's the answer. Because, I mean, that would be a problem if it did that. Yep. Okay, B. Are, why are immune system disorders treated with drugs that increase the risk of developing osteoporosis?
0: Um, I don't care what, I mean, they could give us an answer like, oh, here's why they lead to osteoporosis, but that doesn't tell me about whether or not I should use this new drug. So I already That's know actually, that they yeah. do, right?
1: So, I bet a lot of people are tempted by B because it's like if you were the patient, you probably would want to know.
0: Yeah, why are you like giving what? me this side effect?
1: Right, but it, the doctor's going to go, oh, well, because you're going to die from the immune system disorder. And it's just an un, it's a side effect that we can't avoid.
0: Yeah, if we could avoid it, we would have given you something else. So what do you want to do? Yeah, about I mean,
1: it? <laughs> it's not an unreasonable question to ask. It just doesn't have any bearing on whether you should take this new drug that adds yep.
0: bone. C is the
1: new drug more expensive than the drug that helps to preserve existing bone?
0: Ah, uh, okay. This is tempting. It does tie into cost, but the problem here is that if the answer to this question is yes, yeah, it is more expensive. I'm still like not sure what to do about it. Like, if some if the doctor said, well, by the way, this this drug is this new drug is going to be more expensive than the drug you're taking right now, you might be. Would you? St- would you not get the new drug? You'd still need to know, like, well, how much is more expensive? Like, is the current drug $3 know, and now
1: it's $4 for this other one? So what? Does it completely eliminate my osteoporosis problem? Yeah. Like, is it going to save me from having a broken hip? Yeah. Then, uh, whatever. Uh, um, flip side of that, what if the answer is no? No, it's not more expensive. So does that mean you're going to automatically start taking it?
0: What if the one, yeah, is currently like astronomically expensive. They're telling you to take it in addition to the the drug that helps to preserve existing bone. So There's even a better objection. What if it's free? It could still have side effects, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What if it causes a bone to grow out of my ear? What if it causes blindness? Yeah. What if it, you know, like just because it's cheaper doesn't mean I'm automatically going to take it. Yeah. D, how long has the drug that helps to preserve existing bone been in use. So what? Like,
0: oh, a million years. Okay. (laughs) The Egyptians used it. But should I use the new one? That's what I want to (laughs) know. Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with the new drug. Yeah. E-
1: to what extent does the new drug retain its efficacy when used in combination with the other drugs?
0: Oh, well, <laughs> okay. There are two answers to this um, question. Well, I don't know. Actually, there are multiple answers because it says to what extent, but let's, let's go to the extremes. Um, it retains its efficacy perfectly. Okay, great. So it still works. That's nice to know. Uh, it doesn't retain its efficacy at all. Uh, okay. Well, then what's the point in taking it? along with the other drug. Um, This would be helpful information to know. I'd still like to know about side effects, but of all the answers given so far, this is the one that's the most helpful, even though there are other questions that could be even more helpful. Excellent.
1: So, I mean, A, B, C, D are just worthless. They're not going to help me at all to decide whether I want to take this new drug.
0: Yeah, I would say C but is mild, like a, a, like a, a feather. Like it's it's like my, it Could be mildly okay. helpful. One percent. Yeah, but again, it's 1%. just like compared to but E. E is so much better.
1: E, there is an answer to E that makes me sure I will not take the new drug. Yeah, right. If the answer to E is, oh yeah, no, it doesn't work with these other drugs.
0: Yeah. then
1: I'm definitely not taking it. No matter what else is true, I'm not taking it if the answer to E is zero. Yep. If the answer to E is 100%, I don't know that I'm going to take the drug for sure. But it's one less thing to worry about. Yep. It's like, oh, it does work with these drugs? Okay, well, now let's talk about the side effects. Let's talk about the cost. Let's talk about if a bone's going to grow out of my ear. Like, let's talk about the other stuff. But (laughs) if it was zero, then I'm definitely, definitely not taking it. And so the answer to E is useful to help me determine whether this is good advice from the clinician.
0: Yeah, that's got to be the answer.
1: And that's the answer. Okay. You can be LSAT famous. All you got to do is email help at thinkinglsat.com. I would encourage you to write it and then put it aside and then come back to it and edit it before you send it. Uh, Most emails that we receive could be about half as long and have 100% of the same information. So um, shorter is better, uh, and it's less likely to have typos and stuff if you make it shorter. Anyway, we do want to hear from you. Um, If you have questions, if you have news, tips, uh, we had a great tip today from Charlie about how to do better in school and stuff like that. We would love to help to disseminate to our listeners. Yeah. So just email help at thinkinglsat.com. If you have questions about the LSAT demon, uh, you can email help at LSAT We are pretty confident that it's the very best LSAT prep money can buy, or it's also the best LSAT prep that's available for free. Uh, we have amazing free resources at lsatdemon.com and we hope that you will use them. If you are going to pay anybody for LSAT prep, we hope that you'll pay us. Uh, I don't know. We just help people improve more. So (laughs) if you're, if that's what you're in, in this whole thing for, which really that's what you should be interested in. Yeah. Um, we think we're the best. Check out our other podcast. Uh, LSAT demon daily comes out five days a week. That was episode 339 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.